Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. This morning, we are in the presence of the God who loves you. You and I have come before His presence, and we are not to waste a second, a moment, that our hearts will not be grateful Because you are alive because He's giving you life. You are in your right mind because He has restored your life. You see, I cannot hold my my, my mouth, my, my tongue back to thank Him for what He's done and what He's about to do in this revival. This might even be my last revival, your last revival. Because He's coming back. But until that day, my lips will praise Him. My hands will worship His name. I want you to bow your head for a moment. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to raise your hands to the heavens. Because Father, we come before Your presence. We are Your people. We are Your children, my God. I pray, my God, that you will move in this revival. Even this morning, you will minister. Father, if there are broken lives that have come into the house of God, that they will be restored. My God, if there are many who have come before your presence because they need a touch of your hand, let your hand, my God, touch them. My God, I don't have the words to convince them, but I pray that your Holy Spirit, my God, will get a hold of their lives and they will know that you love them and you have a a plan for their life. Would you give Him glory? Would you give Him glory this morning? 
Glory be to your name, my God. You may take your seat this morning. It is indeed my privilege once again and an honor to be here behind this pulpit. And indeed, I say this with a humble spirit. I don't have the right to be standing behind a pulpit as such. I know the caliber of preachers that preach from this pulpit. But I just pray that God will use my life, that He will use my testimony and what He has done in my life to let you know that He has a plan for your life. If He has worked a miracle in my life, He can do that and much more in your life. Would you open the, the Word of God to the second book of Chronicles and the chapter 15? And I'm going to share with you, I'm going to preach to you a message that I have given the title, uh, A Recipe for Personal Deliverance. Because I do understand, and as an evangelist, I, I preach extensively on healing, on miracles, on the supernatural. I always try to aim the messages to the visitors, to the unbeliever, to the ungodly, to the rebellious, to the backslidden, to those who have rejected the love of God once, two, twice, and even three times. But this morning, I do understand that we do get the core of the people. Sunday morning, it's the church. It's the army of God in the house of God. So allow me to say these words. Even us need to be healed. Even the saved, even the godly, even the committed one. From time to time we need to be refreshed in our minds. Why am I serving God? Why, what am I doing here in life? You see there are many people that don't have an understanding of the purpose, the meaning of life. This is what I heard that as I grew up in Argentina, about creation. On the first day, God created the dog. And he said to the dog, you're going to be barking and growling at everything that passes by. And for that, I'm going to give you 20 years lifespan. And the dog said to God, 20 years barking my head off? Isn't that a little bit long? How about if you just give me 10 years and I'll give you the 10 back? And God says, it is good. On the second day, God created the monkey. And he says, you're going to be doing monkey tricks and dining and making people laugh. And for that, I'm going to give you 20 years of lifespan. And the monkey says, 20 years of doing monkey tricks. Isn't that a bit too long? How about just 10 years? You can have the other 10 years back. On the third day, God created the donkey and said, you're going to be working from sun up to sundown. You're going to be working on the farm and helping the farmer and providing for the farmer. And for that, I'm going to give you 60 years of lifespan. And the donkey said, 60 years is a little bit of a long time. How about if just give me 20, you can have the other 40 back. On the fourth day, God created man. And he says, laugh, have a good time, dance, be merry. And just enjoy life. And for that, I'm going to give you 20 years of lifespan. And the man said, 20 years, is that all I get? How about if you give me the 40 years that the donkey didn't want? Then the 10 years that the 
monkey didn't want to take. And the 10 years that the dog didn't want it. And that will make 80 years. Would that be okay? And God says, you ask for it, you can have it. That is the reason why man, for his first 20 years of life, all he does is just have a good time, laugh, gets married, <laughs> parties. Then for the next 40 years, all we do is work like animals from sun up to sun down. And then, then the next 10 years, all we do is monkey tricks to try to, try to entertain the, the grandchildren. <laughs> and for the last 10 years of your life, all we do is just sit at our porch and growl and bark at every person that comes through our door. <laughs> that, my brother, my sister, that is life without Christ. It doesn't make sense. Life without God in your life, that's all there is to it. You see, there are many people who arrive to the last few years of their life and all they have is regrets. Regrets because what was I doing in life? What was all this about? Was it just to have a good time? Is it just to have a, a big name for myself? Let me bring to you a king. In the Old Testament, a king who was having a good time, a king who had a broke the mold and he was different, different from his father, different from everyone else around him. It was a king, King Asa, when he took over, when he sat at the throne, he began to do what he was right. He began to bring judgment. He got rid of idolatry. He began to burn down the, the temples. He began to have victories. He began to go out and, uh, in battles. He would rage and have a good time. But in the midst of a good time and a good life, a stranger, a man of God, comes and has a word with King Asa. A stranger can speak into your life from time to time. And he brings out to him a reality that perhaps this king was not able to see. And let me pick up that story in the book of uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa. And he said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judea and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you for a long time. Verse 3. For a long time Israel has been without the true God. For a long time Israel has been without a teaching priest. And it's been a long time since Israel has been without the law. But in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him. And He was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one that came in. But great turmoil was in all the inhabitants of the land. So nations were destroyed by nations and city by cities. For God troubled them with every adversity. But you, King Asa, you be strong and do not let your hand be weak for your work shall be rewarded. You see this morning you and I are living similar times. 
There is a, a reality that the Word of God brings to you and I this morning. The reality is that many people don't understand the statement that the Bible just made a moment ago. You see, God will be for you, with you, as long as you are for Him. As long as you happen to keep Him in your heart. You see, there are many people, the Calvinist movement, that will tell you, once saved, always saved. I'm here to bust your little bubble and tell you, this is the reality. If you are with God, if you have Christ in your life, He will be with you. But if you happen to forsake Him, He will turn His back on you. And I don't want that to happen in my life. I don't want to arrive to the latter days of my life and say, Lord, what happened? I began to run the race good. I began a good race. What happened to my life? What would happen if you and I turn your back on God? All I need is someone to speak a word into my life. And that is what the man of God does with King Asa comes to the presence of a man who was able and he had the authority to kill him, have him killed. And yet he speaks a word in season to bring understanding into the life of a king. First of all, he says, Asa, for a long time, this has been too long, for a long time, not only you, but the whole nation has been without the true God. As I walk around, and yes, you may be having a good time. You think you're having a good time. But let me tell you one thing. I looked around. I went to your church. I sat at your Bible study. I fellowship with you. I don't see God in your life anymore. I don't feel the presence. I don't feel the conviction. As uh, for a long time, you had been without the true God, uh, the whole nation, and you cannot afford to live, to carry on living life uh, without the true God in your life. Yes, you can have gods. You see, we have no problems to find gods to worship. If you want to worship anything, you may. You want to worship sports? They were, they, they were last night. You want to worship a singer? You want to worship a movie star? You will find people. You will find things. You want to worship your car? You pick up. You will find time to worship those things. To have gods in your lives, that is not the issue. The issue is, is that the true God? Is He the true God? Do you have the true God? Do you worship? As it's been a long time that you have been living, you have to understand why I'm bringing this word to you, Asa. Because our God is a jealous God. I was in East Timor preaching the word of God. The nation of East Timor is just a small island. I was preaching on the Ten Commandments and I had to preach through an interpreter. They speak Tetum. Tetum is their dialect, is a very limited dialect. So when I mention about God in the, the Ten Commandments, when he says, I am a jealous God, the interpreter said to me, this word here, I don't understand. What does it mean? What is jealous? What, is, what, what does it mean to jealousy? So I began to think, how can I explain to, you, to the interpreter what the word meant? 
And I said, oh, let me tell you a story. A little while ago, I was uh, at the shopping center. I went, went out there with my wife. We were walking around. And I just happened to wander away from my wife. And I'm looking at, the, at a window shop. And I turned around, and my wife is just over there looking at things. There was another man close by her. This guy was checking her out. I'm a guy. I know what he's doing. I went, I went up to her. I put my arm around her. I looked at him, and I walked away. And I said to my wife, that guy over there, he was checking you out. She goes, which guy? That guy over there. She goes to me, do you blame him? No, no, no. She, 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 she didn't say that. But what I said to the interpreter, when I felt, when I saw someone else looking at my wife, there was something that arose within me, a fire, a Latin fire saying, now, now, now that, that one is mine. You can have any other, but that one is mine. That is jealousy. I explained that's the feeling of the emotion of jealousy. And you see, when God looks at you and I and sees us praying, when he sees us showing emotion for someone else that is not him, he says, no, that ain't right. You are mine. I gave you life. You belong to me. That is what jealousy is all about. Hallelujah. So as I'm preaching and I said the word jealousy, God is a jealous God. You know, usually the interpreter would say a few words in their own dialect, in their own language. So I'm waiting for him to finish. But he just went on and he just went on and he went on. And I realized that he's explaining the story that I told him about my wife. And I said, no, 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 no just go back to the message. Because some people don't get what jealousy is all about. You see, this God, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no for yourself a carved image or anything that is alike in the heavens or in the earth or beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them and serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. You see, us, there is a need in your life to realize, are you worshiping the true God? Do you have the true God? It is a it is possible this morning to just worship Him with our words, with our lips. In the book of Matthew chapter 15 verse 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Asa, perhaps you have to consider the words that you have been saying lately. As I came to you because I've noticed that with you perhaps are just words, just words that don't mean anything anymore. Asa, are you serving the true God? Are you living for the true God? Is He in your life? I was um, interested about the ten plagues that God visited and punished the nation of Egypt when they had the Egyptians uh, ruling the, the Hebrew nation. And it was amazing to find out that those ten plagues, God aimed and directed those ten plagues to each and every 
false god that the Egyptians used to worship. It wasn't just a random attack. It, it wasn't just a tantrum that God had and Him began to, to send out all these plagues. But He was aiming at every single of the, the minor gods and false gods that the Egyptians used to worship. You see, they used to worship happy. There was a, there were the God of the Nile, and the water turned into blood. Hecate was the goddess of fertility and water and renewal. And God sent out this plague with frogs coming out of the Nile. And there are Geg and Capri and all these other gods that they used to worship. And God will visit them with a plague. Hathor was an Egyptian goddess as well of protection. And all the livestock just died. And it was because God was saying, let me show you, I am stronger. I am bigger than your gods. I am bigger than your idols. I am a jealous God. And I will demonstrate that not even Pharaoh can save you. I will kill the firstborn. Why? Because I am God. And you have been without me for too long. For way, way far too long. And you cannot survive without worshipping, living for me. This is the reason why this man of God went up to a king. And said to him, you need to return. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 1. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. Not only he said to him, for a long time Israel has been without the true God. But he also says to a king, I've noticed that for a long time you had been without a teaching priest. Not in your life, not in the nation of Israel. A teaching priest. You see, when I speak about a priest, I'm talking about a godly voice that will speak into your life. A man of God. You see, this is the generation of knoweth all. This is the generation they will not take correction. This is the generation that will not ask for direction. This is the generation that people said, listen, don't tell me. Don't tell me what to do, how to do it. I don't want to know. I don't need any instruction. I don't need any correction. And if I don't know it, I Google it. If I don't know anything, I just go to the internet and I'll find out. But I don't need anyone to tell me what to do or how to do it. It was in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 2. The Miriam and Aaron made a gross mistake. Has the Lord indeed spoke only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us all? And the Lord heard them. You see, this is the, the generations that would look for a teaching priest and will hire one. This is the generation that will just go to the TV evangelist and have communion with them. This is the generation that said, I don't need a preacher in my life. I don't need a pastor. I don't have a pastor. It's me and Jesus. <laughs> this is the generation that says, listen, 
I don't need anyone to speak into my life. I know what I'm doing. Judges chapter 17 verse 13. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite in my priest uh, as my priest. If you remember that scripture, it's the whole chapter 17 of the book of Judges. Uh, there is a man, there is a family. They need a priest. He knew that I have to have a priest. Uh, so what he does, he looks around and he appoints one of his own children to be his priest. Later on, he's down at the market and he sees this Levite that is looking for a job. And he says, why don't you come to my house? Why don't you live with us? Why don't you become my spiritual father? And then he looks at this Levite and he thought, you know what? God is going to be good to me because I have a Levite living in my house. You see, you cannot appoint a teaching priest in your life. God will place a teaching priest in your life. God will bring a man, will appoint a godly man into your life. This is the purpose of having a teaching priest in our lives. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine to the trickery of men in the cunningness and craftiness of deceitful plotting. You see, this is the intention why you and I need a teaching priest in our lives. This is the intention why God places a teaching priest in our lives, that he will be able to speak into our lives. That he will be able to edify us, help us out, train us. You see, by the grace of God, I was saved and deported ourselves in the early 1981, and I never had anyone to speak into my life. By nature, you and I are rebels. By nature, you and I despise authority. Push it away. But here is God in His wisdom. He places Pastor Mitchell to speak into my life. He places other godly men to bring direction, to correct me, to instruct me. Why? Because you and I need a teaching priest in your lives. Asa, I've noticed that you don't have a teaching priest in your life. Do you? Is there a teaching priest in your life? Do you have anyone that can speak, bring direction, bring correction? You see, we don't mind if pastor calls us over and says, you know what, you, you're doing good, my man. You're a blessed man. We don't mind if pastor calls us over and says, you know what, I really like your ministry. I want you here on stage with me. We don't really mind if the teaching priest speaks all these wonderful words about us. But oh, how we resent when the teaching priest says, come over here, my boy. Walk into my office. Give your heart to Jesus because your backside is mine. How about when they bring correction into your life? Do you resent that? You know, in the old regimes that we had in Australia, 
I never remember being pulled into the office. I never remember being corrected. But now we have Pastor Payne. Pastor Payne is an amazing teacher. It is an amazing preacher. It is an amazing leader. But for amazing that he is, he pulled me into his office a couple of times. He sat me down and he said, you know what you did? You know what you said? And for about five minutes, it's bam, 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 bam. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. But then he said, Steve, I want you to be a better man. I want you to change certain things in your life because I want you to be a better man. I walked out of the office, rubbing my spiritual backside and thinking, he cares. That's why he's spoken to my life. He cares. You see, Asa, for a long time, you haven't had a teaching priest. And it's so easy in a large church. It's so easy just to come in on a Sunday morning and just sit there. And I said, lovely service. I love the way that you guys preach. I love the way that you guys worship. I love that. But I don't really need this. I'm going to walk away. But there is no one that can speak into your life. There is no one that can bring direction. You don't have a relationship with your teaching priest. You don't thank God that there is a man that at least cares enough to speak into your life. To die in, die out, preach the word to you. Preach the word of God. Even if it's offensive, there are times that I say, thank you, my God. I needed to hear that. I needed the altar. Thank God for teaching priests in our generation. That we, you and I have this teaching priest. It is a blessing, Titus. Chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. You see, Titus goes into Crete and he's got, he's not goes, he doesn't go there thinking, I'm going to do my own thing. Now that I've been planted out, now that they planted me to the other side of the world, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to carry on with my own plot and You see, every time that we plant a church, we expect that family, that man to go over there and make a replica of what you see here. They don't go out there thinking, now that I am El Pastor, now that I am in church, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to run my own gig. Titus, I have appointed you, I have sent you and planted you into Crete that you might set up in order things that are lacking. That you might will do according to the instruction that I put before you. How long do you think that you can survive without a pastor in your life? How long do you think that you can carry on the Christian life without having someone to speak into your life? To bring correction, to instruct you. Asa, for a long time, You had been without a pastor in your life. You need someone to speak into your life. Not only without the true God. Not only without a teaching priest. But for a long time, you had been living without the law. There is another point that I want to make and leave you with this morning. That is that as human beings, and by nature... 
we not only struggle with authority, not only we struggle with the law, but we also struggle with boundaries. We struggle by nature with boundaries. When God says, thy shall not you see, when he gave the commandments, those were commandments. They were not good ideas. If you feel like it, if you're up to if you think you're up to that, why don't you try to do it? But he says, thy shall not. By setting up a boundary that you and I have rejected the law of God. You see, there are people who say, well, I didn't know that it was illegal. I didn't know that it was criminal. I was just doing it because it felt good. In the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did according to what it was right in their own eyes. It is in the first, first book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 13, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I have obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly, in unbelief, living in prophetic time. You and I, you are dealing with people who do not like boundaries. We are dealing with people that will resent anyone that says, that, no, as Christians, you shouldn't be doing those things. As a man of God, you shouldn't, it's not appropriate to be doing certain things. I so appreciate the, mir the miracle of that sister sharing the testi her testimony last night. She said, I didn't stop drinking or smoking because I was told not to. I just stopped doing because I knew that it wasn't right. Suddenly the Spirit of God speaks it. His law into our hearts and life. And you and I begin to understand this is the reason why the Spirit of God will bring those boundaries into our lives. It is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics on athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You see, there are many times we just had a horrible time in, in Australia. We lost our leader because he was trying to take us somewhere else. You see, we are Pentecostals. We believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are not a social group of people that get together, nice people, and do all these social works. We are godly people who gather together under the Spirit of God and says, Lord, I will accept anything that you speak into my life. If there are boundaries, I will fulfill them. If you are telling me that as a Christian, no, I'm not allowed to do certain things, that's what I will do. I don't do things because I was told to or I read it in a book of instruction. I do it because of the Spirit of God speaking into my life and answer, this is a problem in your life right now. That you don't have any boundaries. That you think because you had all those uh, victories uh, at battle, because uh, you're not like your dad anymore, because you brought down a few temples, you think uh, that's all you need in your life. When was the last time that you looked in, into your own life and considered there is a change in my life? I don't do the things that I used to do before. Psalms 119 verse 106 I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgment. 
I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the free will offering of my mouth. O Lord, teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have tried to snare me. Light I snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimony I have taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. You see, King Asa, you have a need, a great need in your life. Do you have boundaries? Is there a word of God that had brought an understanding into your life? I am worried and I am concerned. And as a man of God, this godly man says king answer for a long time and you cannot afford to carry on like this you will find the many times you will be faced with difficult times in life you will find that from time to time God will speak a word and refresh your mind bring you back to the reality this is the purpose of life this is why He saved us. That we will come back to Him over and over again and you say, you are the only God in my life. I have no one else in heaven but you. I don't cry out to anyone but you. I had freely submitted my life to you. Why? Because I just happened to realize, I just happened to have this revelation, you are the only one in heaven. Beside you, there is none that saves. Besides you, there is none that, that will save me, that will heal my broken life. No one that will put me back together. Beside you, there is no hope for me. I thank God daily for Pastor Mitchell, for Pastor Campbell, for all our leaders that we have. Because imagine, these men are the protectors of the truth. They are the guardians of a good thing, Paul said. Imagine if these men will be diverted by this world, by what attracts people. What if they would stop speaking, preaching against sin? Where would you and I end up? I thank God that I have a teaching priest in my life. I had personally went up to my pastor and I said, you know what? You can speak into my life. I can rest at night and said, I have someone that speaks into my life. Even if I don't appreciate or like what he says, I take it that he's from God. And when I had followed the instruction, I have found blessings in my life. I learned to live by boundaries, godly boundaries. We had a group of people in Australia, oh, the fellowship, the fellowship, and all their rules. I love them because they are godly boundaries for my life. And King Asa, for a long time, Israel has been without the true God, has been without a teaching priest, has been without the law. Let that not be the statement being mentioned about your life. Let, bring it, let us bring it to an end this morning. 
If you don't have the true God in your life, you need Him. If you don't have a teaching priest, someone that will speak into your marriage, someone that will bring instruction, men who have experience, they will be able to speak into your life. And allow the Spirit of God to bring boundaries in your mind, in your thoughts, in your heart, in your walk, daily walk with God, because you will find a blessing. Let me say this word before I conclude. I had been serving God for the last 33 years. I had been married to the same wife for, the, for as far as I can remember. I only had three children. I never had any surprises. My three kids are serving God. They're married to godly people. My son is a preacher. He's a pastor in Brisbane in the east coast of Australia. He's a passionate young man, 27 years old. He's running about 35 people already. And he says, Dad, you won't believe these men want to serve God. My younger girl, she just got married to a godly man, Jack Hobbs, in the congregation. They are serving God. I had been blessed. I still look at my life and rub my eyes. I'm thinking, what happened to me? What happened? The true God came into my life. What happened? I have someone that can speak into my life. What happened? I have accepted boundaries, godly boundaries that would lead me to serve God and to live a fulfilled life. What about you this morning? Where are you at? Does life make sense? And if it doesn't, Allow the true God to come inside your life. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then, leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.